0: Welcome back to Pathways. Uh, today we're, we're at episode 10 into the double digits. We've, we've finally made it this far and we are lucky to be branching out uh, and talking about community initiatives, getting stuck in it at a grassroots level and making a difference. Uh, we're checking with Drew Ziegler uh, from the San Francisco Giants. Drew, how are you?
1: Hi, thanks for having me. I'm honored to be number 10.
0: Yeah, it's a pretty, like, I mean, it's an even number and it's yeah. two fives. So. Love it. Good. Good stuff. Um, Drew. So Drew, you're a uh, Connecticut-based uh, New Englander by birth. You grew up there until sort of your teens, I believe. You're a Cal Poly graduate with a degree in business and a minor in statistics. You're currently working as a development coordinator for the San Francisco Giants Community Fund, and we'll find out a lot more about what that means, hopefully. And all yeah. around a very, very good person. I can attest to that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited to have you on board and, and sort of talk about what you do.
1: Thanks for having me. That's an awesome intro.
0: <laughs> Brilliant. Um, so to start, uh, for a little bit of an icebreaker, what we're going to do is a word game. So uh, I'm going to throw out a word, and you're going to throw out the first word that comes to your mind. Uh, I've done a little bit of research, and hopefully they're, they're going to be relatively relevant. Um, okay. And that'll be a good start for us. Okay, you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. First one, giants.
1: Um, home. Connecticut. Oh, also home. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh dodgers
1: rivals yeah happiness family scrum rugby
0: yeah McCovey cove
1: <laughs> what was the next one
0: um uh, McCovey cove
1: oh kayaks
0: yes good good stuff purpose helping yeah nice well done um oh, I passed yeah, that, that's <laughs> awesome you passed yeah great stuff um the first thing I wanted to ask you have you ever been yeah. out on it's Oracle Park now previously mm-hmm. named AT&T Park have you ever been out there and have you ever thrown a pitch over home plate
1: um I've never thrown a pitch and I'm actually really happy about that I've seen way too many compilations of people messing up that I feel like it would be really un- like I would put so much pressure on myself um yeah, but I've been on the field. We do events on the field sometimes when the games aren't happening um, for fundraisers or even, like, staff bonding. We've had, like, picnics on the field. So I've been on the field but never in front of 40,000 people throwing out the first pitch, and I'm okay with that.
0: Nice. And I, I do have to ask, obviously, you you grew up in Westport, yeah. Connecticut, which I believe is right on sort of the borderline between um, – New York and, and Boston Red Sox Territories.
1: Yeah.
0: So, did you grow up supporting either of those two teams? And does it sort of pain you to be working for the Giants now?
1: Um, it's so funny because I grew up a huge Mets fan, like lived, breathed, died Mets. And so I, I'm still a huge Mets fan. But what's really great about the Giants is that the Giants started off in New York. The New York Giants, we moved from New York to San Francisco in 1958. So I still feel like I have those like New York roots. My whole family is from New York, um, from Queens, from the Bronx, from Long Island. So I kind of still feel like I'm not betraying the Mets. And it really only matters once or maybe twice a year when the Mets and Giants play one another. But the Mets colors actually came from San Francisco orange and Dodger blue. So um, I feel like I'm still kind of in the same family. So to answer your question, I don't feel like I'm betraying them. um, But I'm really, really grateful to have been and grown up as a Mets fan, because it's literally the reason why I'm in this career now. Um, I wanted to literally be David Wright when I was younger, like he's the third, he was the third baseman on the Mets. And if you asked me when I was younger, what do you want to do when you grow up? I was like, I want to be David Wright. And this is the, probably the closest thing that I can do to be David Wright or to be on the field. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really grateful to have started off on the East coast and now continue my job and my life on the West coast.
0: Yeah. No, awesome. And and you had, so Drew, you had previously worked as a junior giants ambassador Um, previous to your current position tell me about sort of your trajectory and your journey to your current role and what sort of led you into was it something that you always obviously you've always been a baseball fan is that something that you always thought hey I definitely would do something like this or how did that sort of journey take place
1: yeah so that's a really good question um I knew I loved baseball, but growing up, I didn't really know all of the jobs and departments and the intricacies behind a major league baseball team. And I'm sure major league rugby team, there's just so much that's happening behind the scenes to get all of these players on the field. And I had no idea about that. So I go to college, I majored in um, business and stats and really had no idea what I wanted to do from there in the beginning, my freshman year. I didn't know that this was even a thing. So my sophomore year of college for the summer, I was a junior Giants ambassador. I just saw it on our LinkedIn. Um, And it was talking about being a part of your community and using baseball and helping kids. And there was a, a statistical element to it. And I was like, this is a great summer job. I really think this will be perfect for me. And it was. And I think that was the most this is sounds traumatic, but most life-changing summer for me because it made me realize that there's so much behind sport and how powerful powerful sport is for youth specifically. I fell in love and at that point I was all in and I wanted to continue down that path. And so the next year I came back in that same role, but I was hired on to do the statistical analysis for the whole Junior Giants program. So I think we're going to go into this a little bit later, but Junior Giants um, itself is the Giants Community Fund's flagship program. Um, and normally in a non-COVID world, we have about 23,000, 24,000 boys and girls in Northern California, um, in Nevada, Oregon, so 90 different counties. And it's really bringing baseball and softball to these counties and it's a completely free non-competitive program. So um, I was hired to do the statistical analysis of it. So how many um, boys and girls were in each league, if they improved on certain character development skills. And so we used all that data that I was able to help with um, and pitch it to our donors and pitch it to people that would help fund the program. So that was really full circle for me, how I could be out on the field one day and helping kids and being around children, playing a sport that I grew up loving. um, And then also being able to help fund it and continue to make it free for the next summer and the next summer and the next summer. So I was an ambassador for two years. And then I um, graduated college early to take an internship with the San Francisco Giants. So I Almost like in a week, moved everything from San Luis Obispo, which is Cal Poly, where I went to school, um, to San Francisco, and started my internship with the Giants Community Fund as a development intern. So I was on the fundraising side, um, and it's analysis, and it's kind of all how do we make the program work? And then from there, I was hired full time into what my current role is, so development coordinator. So. It kind of feels like it was this straight trajectory, but my initial plan when I first started as that ambassador role, I had no idea where it would lead to. I just loved kids. I loved community. I loved math and I loved baseball and I still do. And it's been a really crazy and amazing journey to sort of get me here.
0: Oh, no, that's an awesome sort of, and I'm sure it's given you a great scope as to you know, the different areas within, you know, your cordon of the organization. And I guess what does the the oh, giant yeah. community Fund like set out to do, A, and like where do they fit into the grand scheme of things? Like obviously that's one section of the organization, but how many sections are there? How many people totally. work within your group? And yeah. sort of what does that look like and what does your group sort of set out to do?
1: We are our own separate 501c3 nonprofit. So um while we use the San Francisco Giants um, stadium, the ballpark, and we use players to help with some of our promotions and our incentives. We are completely funded by fans and donors. So the San Francisco Giants themselves are broken in many different departments from ballpark operations, baseball operations, marketing, um events, community relations, Giants Community Fund. There's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. So um, while we are sort of under that umbrella, we are still a completely separate sector. And the Giants Community Fund itself really um, targets initiatives in three separate areas. It's health, education, and violence prevention. Um, and like I was saying, our biggest program and a program that we're really proud of since um, 1994, so we celebrated our 25th anniversary last year, um, is the Junior Giants program. And that's a giving back a free, non-competitive, baseball and softball program uh for these 24 children and the purpose of junior giants isn't necessarily to create the next barry bonds or the next buster posey or the next draft um ML- baseball draft but it's really to use character development skills leadership integrity um teamwork as a basis um to enrich their lives i mean Speaking from experience as an ambassador, a lot of the children that I worked with were raised by their grandparents or they were foster kids or um, they couldn't afford baseball programs. So, this is helping them play that sport that we all love when we all grew up doing while also helping them remembering to read over the summer because there's that huge, as I mean, it's different now with COVID, but normally when Kids um, leave school for the summer, a lot of them aren't reading, a lot of them aren't continuing that education. And that's what this program is set out to do. And it's, um, we have a program that's called Strike Out Bullying and it's pledging on the baseball field to be a team and bringing that home, bringing that into the classroom, bringing that in whatever avenue that they go after. So, I mean, if I was eight years old and you told me that David Wright ate his vegetables and drank eight glasses of water a day, I would do anything to do what he did. So I can totally relate these buster posies and Brandon Crawford's and Brandon belts are their role models and we're using them to enrich these kids lives. And the kids are ages five through 18 even. So um, it's an amazing program that I'm really grateful that I got to see from really the ground up. So now being on the development side, so raising money, um, for this program, I can, I know that it makes a difference. And on those hard days when you're working a 10 day homestand and you're like, oh my gosh, I was just here at 11 PM. And now I'm back at 8 AM it's for the kids. And that's really kind of the basis of it all.
0: Oh, that no, that is awesome. Um, and, and you said, so there are in a typical year, um, let's say without COVID there are 20,000 plus kids, obviously like there's a lot of systems and structures to be put in place there to manage that. So how was sort of the curriculum, I guess, like imparted or, or, you know, dispersed from the top down and then how do you manage all the people to su- successfully run all these different events and
1: field
0: availability and all the different things that need to happen insurance, you know, how does that all work?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. There's so much that goes on behind the scenes Um, So we have 11 people on the Giants Community Fund. I think I'm saying that it's 10 or 11. Um, Normally, we have two interns in a COVID world. Unfortunately, we couldn't have interns. Then we hire additional ambassadors, so 90 ambassadors. And that's what I was when I was in college. And those are the people that are in those counties, making sure that the leagues are running. And then we also have representatives called commissioners from every county and they're either a police activities league or wreck and park or something that's already really established in that county or that town um, and they help too so it's really like all hands in we're relying on the community um, to really volunteer their time to help these children so um, it started yeah it starts from the Giants Community Fund, my, our executive director, her name is Sue Peterson. She has been here with the Giants Community Fund for 28, 27, 28 years. So she's really helped it grow over the past 25 years. And even from above her, we have our vice president of communications, Stacey Slaughter, that has been there to help. So I really had to start from the top and now it just goes truly to every person, every volunteer. We rely heavily on team parents, on volunteer coaches, the ambassadors, um, and then my coworkers, our staff with the Giants and donors. I mean, donors are the ones that make it happen. Donating ten dollars to ten thousand dollars makes the league that I ran in Paso Robles, California function. So I don't know if that answered your question. It's just like everyone yeah, has yeah. to have a hand in it and everyone has to believe in the mission in order for us to continue and to move forward and to grow and to help.
0: I guess on like you just touch on mission and mission and and, and values yeah. and those sorts of things. Are there words or you know things that people know? Like I'm sure there are that that, you know, employees and even kids leave these things knowing like this is sort of the the giant's way of, of doing things and way of being like are there these sorts of things involved in that
1: yeah there's definitely a few buzzwords that I would say junior giants know when they leave the program every week so it's normally I know I keep saying a non-covid world just during 2020 has been crazy for all of us and so we had to pivot and do something kind of different all virtual but uh, in a non-COVID world, um, every week has a different word. So it's either teamwork, integrity, confidence, leadership. Those are four bases of character development. There's a lot of baseball puns that are thrown around with the Giants. I'm sure with rugby too. You're you can't help but to throw these um, hitting hitting it out of the park. All these puns come out. But yeah. Um, we have yeah and then also i would say for the giants community fund it's our three pillars and that's health education and violence prevention
0: nice and then those three pillars like are they kind of like separate curriculums or is that sort of something that's like an ongoing thing that you're trying to touch on those things and and teach kids along the way yeah
1: yeah so um they're integrated into junior giants but they're also initiatives that we prioritize outside of junior giants so specifically for violence prevention we partner with a in a, a local program I think it's actually not just local it's worldwide it's, it's uh, La Casa de las Madres and they help with domestic violence so um I so me on the development end on the fundraising side I run normally our biggest fundraiser of the year we raise about million to $2 million annually with the 50-50 raffle. So one game every year, we give all of those proceeds to La Casa de las Madres. We also um, partner with Donor Network West, and they help with um, educating fans on donating organs. Um, And then another one for health is Until There's a Cure, Um, we call it UTAC, and that's Prevention and education uh, for HIV and AIDS, and that's something that the San Francisco Giants partners with us on as well so I think that everything that we do incorporates the curriculum of the Junior Giants program, but there are also some initiatives and some priorities that we um, do above the Junior Giants program.
0: I guess that's a massive part too, and you know uh, attracting you know more donors and more sponsorship and you know when they know where those funds are going towards and what the outcomes are going to be it's so important to align with those organizations and and I guess see where your values are and and then go in those directions which is really cool and so what day-to-day at the moment obviously a lot lot spiritual what have you guys been doing the Giants Community Fund basically over the last sort of eight nine months since March what does it look like
1: I can't believe it's been nine months. I feel like it was yesterday, but I also feel like it's been like 10 years. Um, So I'm sure everyone has just had to go back to square one and go back to your mission, go back to your values and figure out how do we still target and affect our junior giants, our fans, our donors, what do we do? So I think we had maybe a week of like panic and then we really hit the ground running. So um, our junior Giants side flipped the entire junior Giants program and put it onto Zoom. And so um, we had a little bit over 12,000, so 12,300 boys and girls participate. And what was really awesome is normally we're only able to go into Northern California, Nevada, and Oregon, just because we can't. Those are really where the most Giants fans are. But with junior Giants at home, we were able to get into. 24 states four countries and really affect people outside of our bubble here in California so what they did was there were um, four week four four week sessions and the ambassadors so basically the role that I did when I was in college they taught baseball like just normal skills and drills via zoom while also incorporating those leadership integrity confidence um, skills on there too so it was an amazing thing to see these kids who all of a sudden had no interaction with their classmates besides their normal school, but this was something fun. This was something that they could look forward to and hopefully help um, them not feel as isolated as I'm sure everyone feels, but especially kids. And I really feel for them. I mean, junior giants was a place for them to run around and play baseball and make friends and create those connections. And this year, was no different and they were still able to meet people and have that structure that was lacking during COVID. So we were really proud of our junior giants at home program. And because it was all on zoom, everything was recorded and can be recorded and lives on our website now, junior giants on demand. And so now when kids want to access a video that Buster Posey made for them or access a practice that they did around education, they can go back and redo um, some of those exercises or some of those baseball fundamentals. So that's what happened on the junior giant side. Um, And then on the development side, we had to, unfortunately we couldn't do a 50 50 raffle because they can only be done in person in the state of California. So that meant that we were losing out on a lot of money that we had budgeted. And so our main events were now virtual. We do a play ball lunch and that was supposed to be March 23rd, 24th. And that was like 10 days before all the stay at home orders happened. So we were like, okay, we have to cancel it. And we don't even know if season's happening. We had a 60 day season this year. So we were able to do um, the playball lunch completely virtual. And we made um, around $400,000 from that. And um we are really truly grateful for the donors that still believe in us and believe in junior giants and believe that um, they need us now more than ever. Um, we did like little um, activations as well. During games, I helped lead up a ball dude of the game program where we had cutouts on the field and donors got to purchase or had to purchase their cutout to be alongside the first or third line. So, little activations like that, but they all do add up. I mean, um, one campaign that I'm really proud of that actually just wrapped up last Friday was our Giving Tuesday campaign. And we partnered with all of the other Bay Area teams. And um, I hope I don't forget anyone, but it's the Sharks, the Niners, the Warriors, the Earthquakes, and the A's, and the Giants, the six of us. And we raised money together for our Bay Area youth. It's a time where we can't compete against one another. We have to understand that our youth are in need right now and how can we use our voices to um, come together and really give back to who we care about and we play different sports and we have different missions but our core values are the same so um, a long-winded answer but I will say that the biggest thing that was changed was that everything went virtual fundraisers programs meetings everything we still were able to do the that we programs that we wanted to, and we were able to do the fundraisers online with the help of amazing donors and the amazing staff that I work with.
0: I guess <laughs> the, the fact that it's forced a lot of organizations to, A, get creative is not a bad Absolutely. thing. And then B, for, you know, like you mentioned, the kids who wouldn't have had the opportunity to uh, get access to those materials now you've been put in a right. position where you had to generate that content and now it's always going to be there for kids to, to use and to hopefully, you know, enjoy and, and learn from. So I think that's a both really cool, cool things. So well done.
1: And I think that the coolest thing was, we, I think creative, going back to your comment, no one's been in this position before. No one ha- who has been there for 25 years or this is their first day. We all had to get into the same virtual room, virtual space, and just brainstorm knowing that maybe we'll mess up, but we have the same mission, the same ideals, and we're going to move forward no matter what. There was never a time where it was like, you can't do this, you can't do that. It was like, well, we don't know what works and what doesn't work, so let's just move forward in the direction of helping the Junior Giants, and we can't mess up that badly, and it ended up being this amazing success that um, really stemmed from creativity and brainstorming.
0: And and what are the dates for when does the season kick off? When's the first pitch thrown?
1: Um, So our exhibition games are normally at the end of August, and then opening day is usually that first week of April. So we have some time. Yours starts in March, right?
0: Yeah, we start in March. Players arrive in February, so we're a little bit more under the pump than you.
1: Yeah. And you started season for
0: a month uh no so we don't start until um sorry in in 2020
1: did you oh yeah yeah
0: we did five games and then same as you we had to uh obviously the season got canned and then we had to get pretty creative pretty quickly send the players home and we were uh, thankfully able to pay out the players in full which was a really good gesture and then uh from there, we similar to you guys, like we were able to be in person with a fair bit of stuff and un, in small groups, working in groups of 10 and, and doing a lot of stuff within our community. But it gave us a great opportunity to sort of take a step back and be like, right, where can we actually help and make a difference? And how sure. can we grow the game long term? Because as, as you know, and you guys would have talked about COVID is not going to be around for, you know, forever. It's going to be gone soon enough. And then we need to be ready to go and hopefully be in a better position than we were and have made adjustments. Okay.
1: Yeah, and I'm sure this is the same with rugby and even with baseball. I was just in long meetings earlier today and they're just talking about how do we make sure people are still playing the game? How do we make sure that when we are able to reconvene in any sport that people are still wanting to and that that passion is still there? And that conversation blew my mind in a way because I remember being that age and just wanting to play as much as I could, but now it's just a different world. So making sure the conversation and the resources are still there so that when we can go out on the field for baseball, for rugby, for football, whatever people are wanting to be out there and they really care about the sport.
0: Yeah. No, for sure. And I'm really intrigued. You made a comment, and I've got to go back to it before. Just around when you were doing the sort of data uh, analysis role
1: or
0: a portion of that, you said that you sort of had to summarize all the Dream New Giants sort of, um, I guess, endeavors throughout that year and and what it looked like at an endpoint. And you touched on not only like participation numbers, but also other measures as well how did you package all of that what were you looking at how were you collecting that data and then how were you presenting it like you said to the donors and and potentially sponsors
1: that's a great question um we actually did um qualitative surveys at the end of the season for all the coaches and junior giants that were like nine and older that were able to really communicate um how their experience was and um there's players coaches team parents um and so then I took the qualitative data and made it quantitative and was able to crunch those numbers and kind of break them down um, based on league or based on socioeconomic status or based on race. So we are really able and really it's really awesome that we do this because I think the whole world is going to a date more data driven now. And having those numbers behind the program is really what helps um the donations come in too. So understanding what percentage are girls versus boys. And right now we're at thirty three percent girls, which is absolutely absolutely amazing. But we really want to push that and make it that 50 50. Um and even being able to target areas that are really in need, that really need the baseball programs, the softball programs. Um, so we're use, we used um, software and we work really um, closely with Tableau um, to crunch the numbers now and kind of make them compact into a report and um, use that report in all our presentations and send it out in emails to – anyone that will listen (laughs) and um I think that donors are really responsive to data and responsive to where their money is going and how it is helping drive those numbers up
0: yeah I I guess that's so important to the qualitative piece say like not only like we have this many attending but what are they getting out of these events what are they taking away I think that's really key information for those people right cool um and one little short, sharp one that I wanted to ask, just best and worst part of your job. You touched on sort of doing those horrendously long hours at times. I know you've got your 10-day stints um, yeah. where you, have, you finish up 11 p.m. midnight and back in the office 7, 8 a.m. But it's all, like you said, for a purpose, which is, I know, totally. why you love. that's why you love what you do. So, yeah, tell us about the sort of best and worst parts of, you know, your current role with the Giants.
1: Yeah, I think you kind of touched on the worst. Um <laughs> I think working in sports in general, your hours are not the same as a normal nine to five employee. And I think, especially being 24, that's all my friends have weekends off and nights off. And that is different. And sometimes that's really hard to go back to back games. But like I was saying, you kind of realize the purpose. And one of the best parts of the job is being around that baseball environment. So, although at the end of September 29th is the usually the last game of the um, season if we don't head to the postseason. So normally by September 29th, I'm pretty exhausted. Um, but I miss that environment with the fans and having them interact um, with us as the Giants Community Fund and giving back and even just being around baseball. I, I mean, that was really my first love or the first um, – the real reason why I went in this direction of my career because I just love the sport. So um, yeah, the worst I would say would be the long hours, but I mean, this year we didn't really have to do that as much because we weren't, I couldn't be at the ballpark at all. Um, But at the end of the day, the best part is being around baseball, but also giving back. I mean, these interactions you have with the junior giants kids, or even when we work with La Casa or we work with other organizations, I mean, it's truly making an impact and um, I'm really grateful that I can be in a place where at the end of the day, I can take a step back and realize that I'm giving back to kids and I'm giving back to those that need it. And um, I'm really grateful for that. So I guess the best is way worth the worst and even the worst sometimes is really fun.
0: For sure. That's, that's cool. And I I know our CEO is always talking about, you know, it should be more than just coming to watch a game. Like right. you know, people should enjoy the camaraderie, even with the other team, the ability to have a a beer or a or a glass of water and um, sort of have a laugh with the, you know, the opposite team's fans. And um, I think that's the really special part about sport is that it does provide hope and it provides some structure and you know, excitement. And, and that's definitely, you know, having been, um, in that stadium behind you, I know that certainly that's what it feels like when you're in there.
1: Oh, yeah. I think that sports are powerful, absolutely powerful in all senses of the word. Um, but with youth, I think that it's sometimes people's first role models and how do we use that to leverage um, certain positive programming? So um, it's funny that so um, when I'm running my 50-50 raffle, the experience is everything for these fans. But what we say and what I tell my um, team members is is to target maybe the fans that have been drinking one or too many beers because that's really when they're willing to donate more and that's when they're willing to um, be a part of the community. So it's really all part of the experience at Oracle Park, um, having a beer, watching the game, buying 50-50 raffle tickets. Um, Although it's sometimes separate, it really is, the Giants way.
0: Nice. I love that. And I've got a question for you. So obviously yes. this, um, this climate gave us an opportunity at the Free Jacks um, in an area where obviously rugby isn't uh, a hugely well-known sport in this country yet. And it gave us an opportunity to step back and sort of look at New England and be like, right, where can we, and how can we make a difference? So we implemented sort of 13 regional training groups, sort of not dissimilar to what, how you guys operate with the Junior Giants program. Um, yeah and implemented sort of tracking days and and started conversations and relationships within each of these 13 venues. What would your advice be for us having just begun, I imagine something the Giants probably did over 100 years ago, um, you know, those relationships – begun to put that infrastructure in place, where would you place value and, and where would you allocate time and, and resources to? What do you think are the, the key things to get right when sort of building out an academy and a um, you know a, a community venture like this?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I was doing some research on the academy and it looks really awesome. Um, the first thing that came to my mind, and I think it's because of the climate that we're in, but it's kind of about opportunity and making sure that the opportunity is available to people of all backgrounds, um, racial backgrounds, socioeconomic backgrounds, doing the extra mile to make sure that um, the communities that maybe don't normally have the opportunity for to a- attend an Academy or to hear about the Academy um, to make sure that they're involved. I mean, even now we're looking about expanding some of our leagues or creating um, putting junior giants fields in areas that don't have access to them and just continuing to stretch even if you think you've reached everyone in the Boston area or the New England area, there's communities that don't have that opportunity that they would probably benefit from the Academy or um, these other resources more than um, sort of the people that are already there. So I think this racial justice conversation is really important all the time, especially this year. It's something that we have incorporated And pretty much every decision that we're making now, revolving Junior Giants, revolving the Giants Community Fund or Board of Directors, how are we representing the population that we want to serve? So um, I think that just keeping racial justice at the forefront of everyone's mind is really important when you're making these really pivotal and really exciting decisions, but um, to make sure that it is properly representative of everyone you want to include.
0: For sure. I, th- I think that's you know, one thing we always say is that we want, we never want the price price uh, of entry to be a limiting factor and, Absolutely. um, you know bringing on sponsors we're going to be able to get to a point where we can make it free to participate for a lot of these kids and that's going to be really awesome and like you said it's sort of looking at different avenues so can we incorporate with the schools in the area the middle schools the elementary schools can we incorporate with boys right. and girls clubs different organizations nonprofits, and and collaborate totally. with them so there's so much like you said that can be done and like you're definitely bang on with the the current climate and, and how we can ensure that we are representative of, you know, demographics and populations we want to represent.
1: Yeah, and I think you also made a great point. You don't necessarily have to recreate the wheel. Um, using the Boys and Girls Club or using other amazing, amazing organizations in your area that have already started um, in this avenue, use them. I mean, we use that all the time with Junior Giants, the Giants Community Fund and the San Francisco Giants. So, Um, there are people and organizations that all want the same things. And sometimes it's way easier to lean on these, those partners rather than starting from scratch on your own, because that can be very intimidating and very overwhelming. Um, but the moment you, we kind of put our brains together is the moment you find that magic.
0: Brilliant. I love that. Cool. All right, Drew, I think we've, we've nailed a good, a good chunk of that. So we'll get into the fun stuff now. Have you... Have you obviously you're very familiar with the Free Jacks, but have you seen any of the Free Jack's games in the 2021 season? Did you get to see any highlights or any games?
1: I mean, I am a loyal free Jack Instagram follower. So <laughs> <laughs> so I've watched many clips on Instagram, but um maybe if I was at Darby's house and they had it on, but I don't think so.
0: Yeah, I'm sure you are saying, you are certainly seen some highlights. I've
1: seen clips. I've seen highlights, I've I follow, yeah, I follow you on Instagram. So it's a great Instagram, by the way.
0: Thank you. I'll pass that on to the- <laughs> Pass the
1: it on to your people, yeah.
0: Persons, yeah. Um, so that leads into our first quick buy question, Drew, that we ask every week. Favorite free Jack and why?
1: Okay, so for this question, um, the only reason I know um, rugby is because of my best friend, Darby. And um, she was a fullback at Chico. So I'm going to go with a fullback. And so I've chosen um, Mitch Wilson. Um, I also think what's really cool is that he was a mentor for the Atlanta youth rugby as well. So it's kind of rugby meets sort of my world of helping youth and helping furthering um, sport within youth. So I'm going to choose Mitch Wilson. Shout out to him.
0: Awesome. Yeah, great choice. He's been doing a lot of work within our, those same fields with us as well. So it's going to be cool for Mitch to really excel in not only the rugby, but also hopefully that that space as well moving forward uh and then stadium song for the free jacks playlist i'm sure you got some absolute bangers that uh you know um reverberate around that stadium there what were you thinking
1: okay so this is the similar to a walk-up song that's what we would call it with at oracle park or with baseball so i'm going to sort of keep it in san francisco and i'm going to choose don't stop believing by journey um steve perry is a huge giants fan and we play that song all the time here at oracle park so um, it would be a fun one to blast over in New England, and it's just an overall great song.
0: Nice. Yeah, I, I remember, obviously, the Sevens Rugby World Cup was held yes. at, at then at and Park and mm-hmm. pretty incredible atmosphere. Like It was basically full of the stadium for, what, two or three days, I believe? Days. Do you think we'll yes. the rugby back there?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that would be really fun. It was so amazing. That was 2018, so I've never seen rugby fans and baseball fans are definitely a little bit different so it was a ballpark or not even a stadium filled with different fans than I was used to and that was an amazing experience so I would love to have um it was sevens uh, yeah I would love to yeah. have sevens come back
0: yeah and hopefully we might be lucky enough to get a world cup in 2027 15s as well and or 2027 okay. or 2031 and that would be mad if, if we oh, could wow. fill up
1: 2027 okay wow that's a long time away
0: let your people know
1: <laughs> I will I'll put in a good word for you guys
0: Awesome. Well, just out of curiosity, what what did you find the difference to be between your baseball and and rugby, you know, fans or supporters?
1: Um, rugby fans are wild. <laughs> <laughs> particularly um, with
0: sevens, Particularly with sevens.
1: Yes, uh, there was a lot of dressing up. Yeah, we get a we get a lot of people wearing giant stuff at games. Maybe like Dodgers occasionally when they're playing the Dodgers, but like. Um, there were a lot of people wearing like full costumes, um, representing their country, which was really awesome. And immediately when I walked in, there was just, it was just a lot of passion, a lot of a bit rowdy fans. And I mean, I enjoyed the environment. It was just very different. So I remember when I, when we first got there, there was someone just wearing like a full American flag and just <laughs> running around um, our promenade level, um, probably with some beers in his hands. So. Yeah. <laughs> It was, it was fun. It was cool to see our kind of my home or my ballpark yeah. transform into something yeah. else. And we're really, really cool. We're really grateful to have you guys.
0: Yeah. No magic. Hey, Drew, thanks so much for taking the time. It's been awesome to get out of our rugby bubble and, and explore your world. And, you know, there are so many similarities in what we're aspiring to do and what you guys do so well. So thanks for the time. Totally. Really yeah, appreciate thanks. it.
1: Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I love the conversation. I think that sports are powerful together, no matter what sports. So um, I really enjoyed comparing rugby and baseball and everything in between.
0: Awesome. Well said. Drew Ziegler, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. See you, Drew.